Our Old Testament reading this morning is Psalm 135, verses 15 through 21. We've been reading uh, this psalm through Advent, um, and we finish it off today. But if, if you'd like, it'd be okay with me if you just wanted to read the whole thing for context. Before I read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and we thank you for your word which you have given to us. Lord, this morning we ask that you would help us as we hear your word read and proclaimed, God, that we would pay the most careful attention, God, that we would not drift away. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 135, 15 to 21. It says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see, they have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. All you Israelites, praise the Lord. House of Aaron, praise the Lord. House of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear him, praise the Lord. Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. And turning to Luke chapter 6, no, Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 20. This is um, picking up the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 with Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem. Starting in verse 6, it says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this uh, this being Christmas morning, uh, of course, we're going to be talking about Christmas story stuff. However, uh, last night I tried to show a video of the kids' um, class on Wednesday night, being asked questions about Christmas, and it completely didn't work, and (laughs) 
made me very sad. However, we did post that video on our Facebook page, so you can watch that there. And uh, there are questions that the kids are asked about the Christmas story that I think would be really good for everybody to go through and uh, try to answer those for yourself as uh, you watch how the kids answer those uh, too. And it's, you know, some of them are fun things like, what's your favorite Christmas song? That kind of thing. Um, anyway, as we think about uh, the Christmas story, and we think about if you were just to tell the story of Christmas, what all happened and what it all means, just from memory. At this point, by, by Christmas Day, you got to have that pretty well uh, in the, on the tip of your tongue, tip of your mind, that kind of thing, right? Here we've had all of Advent in preparation for today. We have heard who knows how many Christmas songs. We've watched who knows how many Christmas movies. We have uh, been to worship services. We've read the Christmas story. Is it on the tip of your brain? Is it on the tip of your tongue? If I were to call you up here right now, I'd have a seat. you just come up here and take my place. Could you tell the story? Could you tell the meaning? I love that I'm seeing some people nodding. That's fantastic. I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> um, for those of you who got a little nervous right there, you're like, I'm not sure I wore enough deodorant today. Anyway, <laughs> um, but it should be. Here, here's part of the problem that we have, though, is um, this celebration of Christmas is about the Christmas story. It is about Jesus. It's entirely about Jesus and who he is and what this means uh, for us, what it means for the world. However, do you realize how many Christmas songs make no mention of Jesus? It's amazing. Have you noticed how many Christmas movies no mention of Jesus? It's incredible. <laughs> You ever notice how many Christmas decorations have nothing to do with Jesus? Now, I I do count Christmas lights because Jesus, light of the world, that 100% counts as pointing to Jesus. But there's a lot of stuff where you're just like, that's something totally different. I'm not going to pick on anyone in in one of those decorations in particular in case that's a personal favorite of yours, but... (laughs) Let us all consider. There's so much that goes into the celebration of Christmas that has nothing to do with what Christmas is all about. We all know this. This is where we are um, coming into the book of Hebrews. Of course we are. Christmas morning, Hebrews, here we go. And the way that the author of the Hebrews, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but whoever this author is, as they open the book of Hebrews, they come out swinging with just who Jesus is and why, why we would want to keep him at the center of everything. Not just Christmas, but everything. Here's how this reads. This is um, Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1, going all the way through 2, verse 4. Don't worry, we're not going to go with a verse-by-verse breakdown of the entire thing, or we'd be here till 2023. Here we go. In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Again, it wouldn't bother me at all if you wanted to go ahead and read the rest of the book of Hebrews for, for the context there. This, by the way, I do this to my kids all the time. We just read like the beginning of a book, and then I just stop reading, and I'm like, yeah, you want the rest of it? You read it yourself. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I know. That's not what I'm actually doing this morning. This morning, we're looking at Hebrews 1, not just to tease you with the rest of the book of Hebrews, but because of why the author to Hebrews is saying what he's saying. And the, the whole concept, context of the book is he's writing to people who had uh, been raised Jewish. They were Hebrews. And that is where they got their identity. That was the, um, the way that they related to God was by following the... Um, everything from the Old Testament. And then the message of Jesus comes and people receive this message with great joy. Great. The Messiah is here. This is wonderful. Uh, we have, God has sent this Savior that he promised. We have this King over us. And they receive this message and this is wonderful. And then things get hard. And the old ways are more familiar than their new ways. And so it starts to be, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll just kind of go back to that. Maybe not even intentionally, but just sort of sliding back into the old habits. Maybe we'll just go back to what we had with the angels and Moses and the prophets and the priests and the sacrificial system. And the author of the Hebrews says, what are you thinking? Don't you know? Don't you remember? The good news about Jesus. 
Think about this. On what we just read in Luke chapter 2, you have uh, a baby being born in Bethlehem, and you have angels appearing to shepherds out on the hillside. Which one is more spectacular? Huh? Well, it depends. Right? The angels might seem more spectacular. You're there, you're uh, as a shepherd just doing your thing. And angels show up? How weird is this? <laughs> How completely out of the ordinary is this? On the other hand, babies are born every day. That happens all the time. There's nothing spectacular about that. On the other hand, this is what the um, what the author of the Hebrews is saying in in this is consider who the angels are and consider who Jesus is. Who is this baby that was born? And he is so far above the angels. He is much more precious than the angels. And in fact, the angels are sent as ministering spirits. So when the angels show up, they show up to the shepherds not to say, look at us, aren't you impressed? But instead they say, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. That is the good news. The baby that is born is much more spectacular than the angels appearing. And the angels appearing are just a sign of how spectacular it is that this baby has been born. So who is this baby, as the author of the Hebrews tells us? Not only so much uh, greater than the angels, but in verse 3, my goodness, says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Do you hear this? The radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. We looked last night at uh, people being created in the image of God and how we don't always do a good job of reflecting who he is. And this is one of the themes that goes through the Bible. And then we see that Jesus does represent him very well, that he is the image of the invisible God. The author of the Hebrews is saying the same kind of thing, a slightly different way of saying it. The sun is radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Think about what we just read in Psalm 135, where it's talking about the idols that are made by human hands. It says, the idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. Eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is their breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. And so you have this picture that is created of people who have created these idols. And they say, this, this statue is the representation of, of the God that we worship. This is what our God is like. And Psalm 135 says, yeah, you're right. 
That is what your God is like. Dead. It has a mouth, but it can't talk. It has eyes, it can't see. Your God is more like a corpse than a living being. And if you continue to make this, if you continue to trust in these kind of gods, guess what you're, what's going to happen with you? You'll be just like them. This way leads to death. On the other hand, we have the represent, representation of the living God. And how is he represented? As a living being, right? That Jesus is born and has eyes that can see and has a mouth that can speak and has ears that can hear and has breath in his mouth alive. And guess what happens to those who trust in him? They become like him. Living. We'll come back to the rest of Psalm 135 in a bit. But first, we'll go back to Hebrews 2. Where it says, uh, verse 1, or, yeah, verse 1 of chapter 2. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. I think this is an important verse. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Do you think this is true? Or do you think that when you hear something once, you've got it forever? I mean, maybe... Maybe you're better at that than I am, but I need to hear things over and over and over and over again. I was um, told in seminary that by one of the professors was talking about uh, kind of some of the main ideas in the Bible. He said, when, you, when you're looking at like the really big ideas in the Bible, there are really only about nine of them. He wasn't like actually counting them out. Most of them. He's like, you know, about. He's like, there are about nine really big ideas in the Bible that are just told to us a thousand different times in a thousand different ways. <laughs> hmm. I wonder why that might be. You know how many times, and I didn't count this up, but you know how many times uh, it tells us throughout the Bible, remember, remember, remember. Because we are constantly forgetting. And what what is it that happens over and over again in the Bible? The story of uh, God and his people as he comes to them and he does something absolutely amazing and he tells them something amazingly wonderful and everybody's like, yes, this, this is good. This is right. This is true. This is what we want to center our whole lives around. And then night falls and the next day, they're like, what? I don't remember what we were talking about yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it seems to happen that fast. Or within a few days or weeks or months or even in a single generation. As you read the story on the page, you turn the page and you're like, how did they forget already? I wouldn't have forgotten. I would have remembered. Maybe. I will tell you, uh, it is shocking to me at my age, how much I've been able to forget. 
that I once knew. <laughs> and the ways that this uh, shows up, like as my kids have been going through school, and I went through, learned a lot of the same stuff, and as they're going through, they're like, hey, Dad, you know how to do this? I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Here, let me sit down and help you with that. Hmm. It looks familiar. I know I went over this at one point. I think I used to be pretty good at it. I have no idea how to do this now. <laughs> and it's because we remember what we review. And so if we're reviewing it, if we're going over it again and again, if we are paying the most careful attention to it, we remember it. And if we don't, then slowly but surely, it fades. And as it fades, we drift away from it. We find ourselves uh, doing things that don't coincide with what it is that we were wanting to remember. Here we go. In the book of Deuteronomy, the whole book of Deuteronomy, uh, by the time you get there, you're reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and you get to Deuteronomy, and you start going through this, you're like, I kind of feel like I've already read this. Uh, the name Deuteronomy itself just means second law. <laughs> and it's not because it's a whole new thing. It's, it's actually the same thing we've already been given, but it's been being given again. Why? And it's because it's being given to the next generation as they are getting ready to go into the promised land. They've already received, they came out of slavery in Egypt. They go to Mount Sinai. God gives them the law. And then they don't go into the promised land because they don't trust the God that just has saved them and rescued them from the Egyptians. Ah, but he probably couldn't save us from these people. And so they spend 40 years in the wilderness with God providing for them. And then... The next generation now is finally going to go in. But before they do, Moses gathers them together and um, makes sure to remind them, to remind them of what God has said, to remind them of who God is. And in chapter 4, verse 9, he says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And throughout, and remember, uh, throughout the Bible, we see kind of this two-generation um, responsibility to remind your children, to teach your children, teach your grandchildren, the next generation, and the generation after that. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. This sounds uh, very similar to what we get in Hebrews uh, 2, 1. Pay the most careful attention, therefore, so, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. I told you we'd come back to Psalm 135. It's time. At the end of Psalm 135, See if you hear, I'm just going to read this part again. See if you hear any words repeated. As all you Israelites, praise the Lord. House of Aaron, praise the Lord. House of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear him, praise the Lord. 
Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Do you notice anything <laughs> that gets repeated? Yeah. Praise the Lord. And why is it that that has to be said more than once? Don't you think you could just say praise the Lord one time? It's like, got it. I will remember to do that. <laughs> yeah. Of course you think that when you're young. However, <laughs> the older you get, the more you realize how much we need to be reminded again and again and again of the things that we actually want to remember. We remember what we review. We're good or for bad. And so, when we consider uh, who Jesus is, and as we look forward into this new year, the question is, not have we heard the story? Have we heard the good news? Have we received the good news? But how are we structuring our lives to pay attention to the good news, to be reminded of the good news, to remember who Jesus is, that again and again and again, we remember, we remember, and we remember, so that we actually do have Jesus not only at the center of this day, but at the center of our lives in all that we are doing. We are actually going to celebrate the Lord's Supper again uh, this morning, and why do we do this? Because Jesus told us to. <laughs> but why did he tell us to? To remember. And what happens when we stop doing it? We forget. He knows that we are forgetful people. And so he has made provision for that. He has given us his word. He has given us the sacraments. And he has commanded us to make use of them, that we would remember who he is, that we would be those who don't trust in dead idols, but in a living Savior. And I pray that that would be the case for all of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.